Well, we're almost done with the Ten Commandments. Um, Thou shalt have no other God before me. You shall not make any graven image. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. And now we come to the ninth commandment. Uh, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, the three previous commandments were very brief, two words apiece. Now, this is a little longer commandment, and it brings into context a very narrow situation, and that is a legal situation. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. It's also the first commandment where the word neighbor comes in, and you'll remember that when Jesus summarized the law, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So here comes the term neighbor in uh, the way that we treat other people. So this is a, uh, we usually remember this commandment is you shall not lie. Now that, that's, uh, that's taking it another step because uh, what, by the very fact that you shall not bear false witness clearly indicates that the immediate setting is a legal setting. Now in this legal setting, what was the previous commandment? Thou shalt not steal. Now, it just so happens that lying is a form of stealing. It's a form of deception. It's a form of hiding the truth. It's a form of depriving people of the truth. Now, we just take that for granted. We just take for granted that when we're dealing with our spouse, dealing with our family, dealing with our neighbors, that we are in a truthful relationship. That, uh, that what we're telling one another and, what, and how we're behaving with one another is not in any way deceptive. We're not hiding something. We're not stealing something. We're not stealing the truth from somebody who deserves the truth. And, and so, therefore, again, narrow setting, courtroom, wider setting, everyday life. The way that we live in front of our spouse, the way that we live in front of our neighbors, the way we live in front of, of uh, our relatives, uh, all should be truthful in word, in manner, in outward behavior, and so forth. So it's, uh, it's fully illustrated in, in so many places. I just want to use some instances in Scripture where this is spelled out a little bit more. And then I want to get to a tricky area, whether we always have to tell the truth. That's going to be the tricky area when, uh, when we raise the question of, is deception ever permitted? Is lying ever permitted? That's going to be a little tricky. So, so let's turn um, to the passage of Scripture in which De- Deuteronomy 19. Deuteronomy 19, starting at verse 15, and you'll see that this setting is indeed a legal setting. <clears throat> Deuteronomy 19, starting at verse 15, a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be be confirmed. So the purpose of a witness is that the truth will be revealed. The purpose of a witness is that the truth will be revealed. Uh, John Frames, in his little commentary on the the Ten Commandments, said that he he tried to look up a verse in Scripture where we are commanded to be witnesses, witness to the gospel. And he says he couldn't find one. It's never commanded. 
Now, Jesus says, you are my witnesses, but commanding to be a witness is in terms of sharing the gospel. It's not found. But here we have a legal context. A single witness shall not rise up against a person. So it should be, the ideal is to have more than a single witness. All right? Verse 16, if a malicious witness, okay, now this is a bad witness. This is a witness who's going to deceive and conceal the truth. A malicious witness, if a witness rises up against a man to accuse him of wrongdoing, then both men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who will be in office in those days. Well, that widens out the context. We've got somehow we have priests involved here. We also have officers. They're not expressly identified, but the point is it's brought into the open. So the truth is meant to be public. The truth is meant to be out there and not something private. All right? So you show up here. Verse 18, the judges shall investigate thoroughly, and if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him just as he had intended to do to his brother. So the worm turns. <laughs> if, if a witness is shown to be false, then what the false witness had wanted for the other person is now directly visited on the person. So you have some kind of retribution. Whatever, so we're not told what the circumstance is, but if a certain sum of money might have been involved, if certain property might have been involved, it, it turns around and the false witness now has taken from him what the false witness would have taken from the accused. I know that sounds confusing, but uh, you, you get the picture here. All right, so the judges shall investigate. Uh, Thus you shall purge the evil from among you, and the rest shall hear and be afraid, and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Now, here you come up to deterrence. If you have a trial and the false witness is shown to be false, then the whole point is the witnessing public will realize the truth will out. Now, we know that that is not always the case, but the the point is that that should be a means by which people are deterred from doing that in the future. Now, I don't know whether any of you have a story you want to share here with us of being falsely accused um, in which things were turned around. I'm just kind of open that, uh, that, that maybe there will be somebody here who was accused. or may, It might not have risen to a courtroom offense. I, I was once charged. I was in seventh grade. And um, I was called to the principal's office one time. And the police officer was there. police officer said, uh, did you walk home from school on Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock? Yep. Did you go through the park? Yep. Did you do anything you shouldn't have done? Not that I remember. Now, I, I know this makes the story maybe a little longer. It just so happens that the star football player, star athlete in Springfield High School, that previous year had gotten amnesia, and they found him eventually in Dallas, Texas. So what's going through my mind is, uh, did I, is there something that slipped my mind here that, uh, you know, that, that maybe, and I had no idea what the accusation was at this point. It had to do with a little girl being molested 
as it turned out. So the, the police officer said, uh, uh, you went through the park on this day, and your name is Andy, and you didn't do anything wrong? And I, I just, I was flabbergasted. So I, I, uh, it turned out that uh, when the police came to the junior high school and asked, do you have a prominent person named Andy who... And I, I played on some teams and so forth and so on. So the first thing they thought of was Andy Hoffecker. So Andy Hoffecker got brought in. I got put in a lineup at, uh, when I was in seventh grade, and the person pointed out the other person who was, there was another Andy. And, uh, but uh, <laughs> here's the kicker. The police officer came up to me after and said, I'm going to keep my eye on you. You acted guilty. You know, I, I was just searching for an answer. Yeah, <laughs> Pam was the police officer. So I, I don't know. Has anybody ever uh, been accused or? Well, here's the, here's the here's the put a monkey wrench in it, and and I I know that this is another whole question, really, but we have all been involved in strategies in games where the whole point is to deceive the other players. Uh, it, it, the stealing signs in baseball is an art, and there there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing because that that it's simply accepted that every team is trying to get the other person's. Um, uh, signs. Uh, the whole point of a, of a quarterback doing a bootleg is to hide the football so the other team doesn't see it. So this is, you know, you you have that you have the a- aspect of the fact that we we are in context where that becomes the goal, and there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, to to achieve is is the the whole point of the game. But we realize we're playing the game. <clears throat> there there is a verse that deals with that. And I thought I'd quote it for you. It's in uh, Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Um, Eighteen and nineteen. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, was I not joking? Uh, so we do pull practical jokes. We do joke, and that, but, but this is clearly warning against uh, the, the idea of doing a joke which actually deceives and, and causes harm. Now... Um, so let's get to the let's get to, let's get to the the real issue here and the, that I was promising before. Are there situations in which uh, must you always tell the truth? John Frame enumerates sixteen passages of Scripture in which deception is carried out and approved. Sixteen instances. I'll, I'll name a couple of them: the uh, uh, Pharaoh's midwives, uh, Rahab, in. Uh, concealing the, uh, uh, the spies. You have uh, what uh, Joseph preached about last Sunday. Jail gets Sisera to come into her tent, and she's going to put a tent peg through his temple. And, he, and Jail, therefore, defeats the enemy of the Israelites. 
you have uh, Samuel uh, saying to Saul that he's going to do something when his whole point was to go and anoint David to become king. Uh, he told a half-truth. So that, that's a form of, of deception. Um, you have um, God's uh, sending a lying spirit to Ahab. A lying spirit was sent by God to deceive Ahab. And one dealing with last times, uh, Thessalonians, Yeah, kind of woo-woo-woo-woo, yeah. Huh? Yeah, well, it was a person. It was a person, but the lying spirit was put into one of the prophets, and the prophets become, prophet became a false prophet. And then uh, I think it was Micaiah who finally told the truth in that situation with Ahab. But then you also have, find it here, I was going to look it up, in in. in Second Thessalonians, uh, chapter two, verse eleven. For this reason, and this is dealing with the end time. Verse ten: All deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them. This is eschatologically. God will send upon them a deluding influence, so that they. Um, so that they might believe what is false. So they don't believe what is true. They will only believe what is false. God is sending a spirit to, uh, in the last times to deceive those who don't deserve the truth. Uh, that leaves one scholar, uh, he taught me when I was in seminary, to introduce the idea of intrusion. And his idea was that in times of divine judgment, in times of divine judgment, God will permit lying and, and not allowing people to receive the truth because they don't deserve it, because the people of the time don't deserve it. So the, if you go back to the fact of uh, Pharaoh and the midwives, the Pharaoh didn't deserve the truth. Pharaoh was the enemy of God. And so therefore the midwives were, were depriving Sarah Pharaoh of that which normally he should receive. All right? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, I think that it it is meant to be the gospel, meant to be the gospel, so that there are people, uh, I think it would pair up with those scriptures that says that those people who have hardened their heart being often reformed shall suddenly be, what, what is that? A uh, man who's, Billy Graham once quoted it at one of his meetings. Um, he who hardens his heart being often reproved shall suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. So there are people who don't deserve the truth. <clears throat> now th- this becomes tricky, I think, um, uh, clearly, in, in the instances that I've mentioned, each one of them has to deal with an enemy, an enemy of God. And with the enemy of God, they have hardened their hearts, and so therefore they don't deserve the truth. Now, I would be hard-pressed for me to make a kind of a judgment about another person. That would be very hard for me to do. We, 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 we can't look into people's hearts 
But I think that the, the point is that there are instances in Scripture where God will send a deluding spirit, where God will send a deception, where God will harden people's hearts so that they can't repent. Uh, thank goodness it, it didn't happen to us. Um, but it, it does, I think it does remind us of how dependent we are upon the truth. We, we live dependent upon the truth all the time. And, and isn't it interesting that Jesus was condemned by false witnesses? I mean, they, they couldn't agree on the testimony. If you look at the, at the uh, situation, the, the, the situation before Pilate was an exact uh, disobedience to this rule. Stephen was condemned to death because of false witnesses. Um, and that brings up Satan. There, there's one verse that, that has to do with this, and this is in John. John chapter 8, when Jesus is talking about, uh, he's in the midst of a lo- very long dispute here. This is a very long chapter. Chapter 8 is a long chapter. But in the midst of it, we have the question of lying coming up. So Jesus uh, says, uh, uh, Jesus says, um, if God... Were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded from the father, for I've, and so forth and so on. Verse 43 of chapter 8. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. All right, so they're kept from hearing his word. And then you have this terrible verse. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. Now that takes us back to Genesis. You will, if you eat this fruit, your eyes are going to be opened. So the, the, we see how intricately this, you know, this one commandment out of ten just infiltrates a lot of the Bible. And uh, if you read through the Old Testament prophets, um, uh, Hosea chapter 4, the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land because there's no faithfulness or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, deception, murder, stealing, adultery. They employ violence so the bloodshed follows bloodshed. That's... The, the prophets are, are filled with charges. And, and when you read the book of Proverbs, especially, um, uh, lying is, uh, uh, it comes up. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a matter that of life and death, isn't it? That when we heard the gospel, we, we perceived it as true. We didn't perceive it as a myth. We didn't perceive it as a fanciful tale. We perceive the gospel as something that struck our hearts and wasn't a lie, and we put our faith in it, and we rest confident because God doesn't lie to us. God's word is true. Um, any other thoughts?
No, because I, I think they were obeying a higher law. I think they're obeying a higher... That's another way of looking, not simply intrusion. I think that's one of the ways to deal with this. But I think uh, in another way that we, way we... If someone comes to our door, has a gun in their hand, uh, where does such and such a person live? You don't tell the truth because you see the gun in the hand, so you're, you're protecting that life. Chapter 11. She kept a higher commandment, yeah. That is to have no other gods before her, yeah. Yes. The task of the Christian is to be honest, but not necessarily transparent. Not necessarily transparent. <clears throat> Every one of these commandments will entail greater and greater uh, subtleties of discernment. Every, every commandment, whether it be killing, Sabbath day, the lying, stealing, we get to a real tough one next week. Coveting is really a tough one because that's the one that doesn't have any outward manifestation. It's simply a matter of the heart. Now, we know that adultery can be a matter of the heart. We know that murder can be a matter of the heart. But coveting, uh, simply as coveting, never unless it results in overt behavior, uh, you can covet all day long and, and never take something. We'll, we'll get to that next week. That yes. Look, any time you say, bless your heart, you, you bless his heart, you can say anything after that. We all know that's the case. Bless his heart. That covers a multitude. Okay. Let, let's pray. Father, we, we are so thankful that we worship the God of truth. We are so thankful that he has given us a true word. We're so thankful that he sent a son who called himself the truth, the way, and the life. And we're so thankful that we responded to the truth, that we confessed our sin, that we knew that without the grace of Jesus that we would die in our sin. Uh, we just realized the truth about ourselves, and, and we are so thankful for that. We are we are so thankful that Hap and, and his compatriots over in, in Ukraine spread the gospel so that a thousand people realize the truth. And, and we just give thanks that wherever the truth is sounded, uh, according to your word, that it might be responded to and, and obeyed. And, and we pray now that as we go to hear 
uh, and to sing your praises again in worship. Bless Joseph as he preaches and, and bless the truth through our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.